Well, again, welcome back. This is nice. I got my nice big pulpit back. I can spread my notes out. No wind, huh? Still have the wind socks on the mics because I was too lazy to take them off. That's okay. All right, well, welcome back again. We're in uh, the third week of The Gospel Changes Everything. And, and this is a series that's going to take us right up to Christmas, believe it or not, which is not that far away. So 12 minus 3 is 9. And then Thanksgiving week, so it's only 10 weeks away before we start getting into the Christmas season, which is pretty, pretty wild. We got one whoop for Christmas. One, one whoop for the incarnation of our Savior. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, welcome. And then, if, again, if you're online, sorry about the whole camera thing. There's, it's just, uh, we'll, everything's going to be better next week, I promise. Everything will be, be fine. So if you're at home, I apologize, but everything will be fine with cameras and all that fun stuff. So, again, the gospel changes everything, and, I, and I'll kind of explain and unpack that, obviously, throughout this sermon and, and what we have been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, but one little excerpt here. Again, I've read this every week, but I want to I read this again. And uh, kind of the a little, a little blurb on why we're doing this. It says, why have so many efforts to change our world? Well, see, I, see, I'm so used to not doing this. Here we go. Look at that. I even have it here for you now. Why have so many efforts to change our world proven ineffective or even destructive? What does it mean to be a faithful presence of Christ in this world? This series will explore how the church can play uh, a role in affecting positive change, the gospel, rather than politics or worldly power or wealth or social media or reclusivism, changes everything. The gospel changes everything. And so just briefly want to go back to that, that week one. I'm not going to recap every single week, every time, but I think this first week that we did, this creation mandate, kind of sets the stage of where we're going to be going uh, really the rest of this series that we want to see this world flourish and be blessed. And so Genesis 1, 28, God blessed Adam and Eve. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. And so with that, we get to see this idea that the gospel changes everything, that the gospel is, is going to be proclaimed. There's going to be, uh, it should motivate us to live a certain way in light of that gospel commitment to the creation mandate to see uh, this idea of the world actually be better, to flourish. And so we love our neighbor, and then that then leads to human flourishing. And so I just want to talk about this real quick. This last week I was teaching in Systematic again uh, downtown for our Leadership Development Institute. And um, I, just kind of, I just kind of unpacked this idea of what the gospel is. And I know I've, I've talked about this before, what the gospel means, good news. It's how we, how we translate it. But the, in the Greek, the euangelion or aeongelion, um, that when you, the A is, is good, and then you have this angel, right, angelion. And so and that, that is actually where we get our word angel. So when you, in the Greek, it's going to be the same way, except without the, the A or the, the EU there. And you're just gonna, you would just read angelion or angelos, which, is, which means where we translate it, angel. And so you could read this and say, oh, does this mean the good angel? And, and yes, but angel just simply means messenger, uh, in scripture. And so this is now translated the good message or why we call it the good news and it has been then translated into English as gospel. But what's interesting about this, this good news is it's not, it's, it's the good news of God. And so in Romans, the apostle Paul is actually going to say, this is the gospel that I've been, I've been called to. I'm an apostle and I've been set apart to preach and teach the gospel of God, not a gospel about God. 
all right, which I know there's just a little bit of a, of a nuance in there, but again, in, in the language, it's, it's called a genitive possessive, which just means that in this gospel of God, it's God is the one that possesses this thing, right? Not, not me. I don't possess this and I, and, I, and I share this gospel about God. That's true. But what Paul is saying, though, when he uses that phrase, it's the gospel of God. It is God's message that we've been called and set apart to teach and preach a message that belongs to God. He is the author, and he revealed it to us, and he sent us to proclaim it. And obviously wrapped up within that good news is the fact that Jesus came and he died for our sins and has forgiven us of our sins. The only way that we can be imparted that gift of salvation is by faith alone, sola fide, which we will talk about in a minute, at least a little bit as far as Reformation is concerned. Okay, where are we heading this week? This week is kind of an interesting week. I was telling my wife, this isn't actually a topic that I would probably normally pick. And actually, I'm a huge fan, and I've, ta- I've shared this before, that I normally would just preach through a book of the Bible. But even preaching in through a book of the Bible, I don't know if my mind would have gone here to this topic in the sense of that we're going to be looking at the social world in which we live in and specifically honing in on social media. <laughs> Right, because if I, when I'm preaching through the Bible, there's nowhere that's like social media, and let's, there's some dangers here, and there's some good things about it. Right, so I want to walk through this. Now, what this is not going to be is a rant against social media. Okay, so don't hear that. You're not going to walk out of here going, "I got to throw my phone away if I want to be part of this church." Uh, that's not it. Okay, so I just want you to, to be aware of that. And a lot of you, if you know me or you follow me, um, know that I don't really do anything uh, on social media. Right, so this this, but that's not necessarily. A a good thing as well. Uh, and so I just want you to want you to know that. So we just want to look at scripture. Uh, we believe in the authority and the power of scripture, even speaking into things like social media and like the power of media in general. And how in the world can we, can we do this? So this is a big topic and it affects all of us very, very differently, right? Again, like I said, some of us are very active with posts and pictures and tweets and, and all these different things. Actually, it was a couple of months ago. I have a Twitter thing, handle, is that what it's called? I have a Twitter handle. And a couple of months ago, I, I got on it and someone had like mentioned me in a couple of their comments and I clicked on it, but it was like from two years ago. And I just had never, I didn't even realize I, it's not my thing, right? Uh, I'm just not on it. But, and other people are, are the extreme opposite of that, right? And, and then some of us are just kind of right in the middle. Uh, and that's okay. I found a couple uh, memes. They're kind of hard to, to read. And even memes are like just obsolete now. Who does this anymore? Right? But you got Gene Wilder there from uh, Willy Wonka. He says, oh, you don't use social media for business? Tell me uh, more about how, how you plan to stay relevant. Uh, right? And so even with our church, I don't, I don't really do a whole lot with that. So thankfully, Paul is, is on the Instagram machine uh, and all that stuff. And, and he's able to kind of get some of that out uh, into our communities and that kind of thing, other than Facebook. I mean, obviously, we're doing this thing live right now on Facebook, and there's people watching that. And that's great, right? There's, there's good things with this. Um, meanwhile, on Instagram, remember that whole thing? It, it's not really as popular anymore, but everyone would just take pictures of their food, you know, before they'd eat it. That was a thing for a while. Uh, the guy in the middle there, you can't get uh, cyberbullied if you don't have social media, right? That's me. That's my position. Uh, and the other one, it's kind of hard to read here. It says, my childhood friends seen the person I've become on social media, uh, which is it's kind of funny, right? Because you can. You can, have this, you can have this avatar almost, or you can have this idea of what I want to be or who I want to be. And, and, then, and then we put that in front of people. And the thing is with social media is people are willing to say, I've, I've done things 
I've said things online that I might not say to somebody in person, right, to their face, that I can go to a restaurant and if I don't like it, I don't have to go tell the management, I just go and post something about it online, right? And so we gotta be careful with this and it affects us. And yet at the same time, it's a really powerful tool. So again, this, this uh, a big topic, it affects all of us differently. Uh, senior members, which nobody in here is, is in that category, um, but senior members, maybe the greatest generation, right? Infrequent usage, great way to see pictures of grandkids, right? If, and so if you're, if, you're got, if you're a parent or even, you know, you got, you got grandparents, that's what they do, right? There's, they're on Facebook. Maybe some of them are still in MySpace. I'm not sure. And they just look at some pictures every once in a while. Can you actually still have MySpace? Is that, can you, you can't even get it? All right, never mind. Um, and then you got the boomers, right? Uh, intermittent usage, they wanna get information. This is my mom. My mom, I mean, gets, she just reads everything from her phone. Um, and, and she will just simply sit there and, and, and get information from her phone. And so I wanna, so one, one aspect of this actually is really interesting. A couple of weeks ago, my mom was up here uh, visiting from Illinois and she was reading something, a quote from an individual, but she was reading it, all right? So she, she reads this quote, but she had this, this tone about her that was like really negative and just, I don't, you know, she, she clearly didn't like this person or, or just that's how, just how she read it. And so she reads this quote and I had just got, I had just watched a video on TikTok, right? That's one thing I do on social media, I guess would be TikTok. And so I, I, just, I just watched the same video of this thing and it wasn't this negative nagging thing. And I was like, oh mom, why don't you just find the video instead of just read it? And she's like, oh, I never thought about doing that. And it's like, yeah, it's right. You can just click a link and watch. And then she watches the video and she goes, oh yeah, that wasn't bad. I'm like, yeah, I know, right? Because it's such an easy way in media, Media does this, right? We know this. Uh, there's something that Paul, uh, one of, you know, Paul Stiver, one of our elders, that we've kind of been using this phrase of like, just read like an adult, right? Just, just listen to the news like an adult and know that they purposefully, and I'm not, again, I'm not anti-media, right? But I don't, I don't remember the last time I turned the news on, all right? I mean, when was the last time you like turned channel nine on just to watch the news? If it is even channel nine, I don't even know. I think that's Fox. I don't know, anyways. I'm just saying, what we, it's just, it's different, right? I, I have every, all my news I get from my phone. I wake up in the morning and I go to the news section, but then even Google has probably figured out some al algorithm and it probably doesn't share certain news with me and all that, right? So we gotta be careful and we gotta, we gotta look at this and read it like an adult. And, and so I was trying to, there's obviously a lot of real things I could do, but I wanted to give an illustration from the, the most amazing movie, You've Got Mail. Uh, and, and I know I use this a lot. I actually just realized that movie came out in 1998. So I know that there's some, a lot of people in here that weren't even born yet, right? It's 22 two years old, but there's this thing that happens, all right? So Joe Fox, it's Tom, Tom Hanks. He's in, he's, in a, he's in a gym, he's working out and he's watching the news. All right, so he is kind of in this battle with Kathleen Kelly, who's Meg Ryan, and they're, they're, she has this tiny little uh, bookstore called The Shop Around the Corner, and then he owns this huge warehouse of, of books called Fox Books, right? And so there's this, they're, they're watching the news, and so Kathleen Kelly's in the news, and she's just ripping on, on Joe Fox, and, and, and then the news comes on, and he goes, okay, right, here I am. And then all they do is he says, I sell cheap books, I do, so sue me. And then it stops, it cuts out. And then his buddy, who's Dave Chappelle in the movie, I, I don't know his character's name, he's running next to him and he goes, you said that, right? But then Joel says, 
well, that's not all I said. And then I have some ellipses in there, which people, you can use ellipses to make anyone say they want to say. I used ellipses here because there's a little bit of a, a expletives that he uses here. And so I just thought maybe we'll just leave that out. And so he says, that's not all I said. I said, we were great. I said, you could sit down and read books for hours and no one would bother you. I said that we had 1,500 or 150,000 titles, right? And he goes on to say how great they are and what they're trying to do for the community. Um, and, and this is, right? But again, this is a, a, a fake scenario, right? A fictional scenario. And yet this happens all the time. And we gotta be careful even what we read when we see these ellipses, right? I used the illustration of the Ezekiel bread a couple weeks ago, right? Ezekiel, right, the four nine, and they have some ellipses because they don't wanna say that the bread was cooked over human dung. Don't eat Ezekiel bread, it's bad for you. I'm kidding, I don't know if it's probably really good for you, but I've never tried it because, because the ellipses can't handle it. All right. Moving on, again, going back, they had the Gen X, right? Uh, consistent usage, life stage, so education, housing, family, parenting, et cetera. Um, I think the older millennials, my, you know, kind of my age, we, we would probably fit into that. Millennials weren't even on this list that I got, um, which I know that's probably the majority of us in here and a little bit of Gen Z. I just learned this this last week, the younger generation. So my kid's generation is actually called Generation Alpha. <laughs> Like, that's pretty sweet. Uh, I'm just not gonna lie. We're millennials, but they're Gen Alpha. Like that's that's pretty cool. Um, all right, so uh, that's that's where it is, right? We we grew up around technology, right? I mean, my first memories are you know logging into AOL.com and hearing the dial-up modem hooked up, right? I remember all of that. Uh, and so we've always been around technology, and so it's just easy for us to to kind of get the the new thing. And then Gen Z, obviously, it's it's everything, right? Entertain me. Um, and just think about how much technology and social media has changed in the last 10 years. I mean, just the last 10 years, right? My, you can't even get on MySpace, right? That you can't even do it anymore. I just learned that today. You can't even do it. Um, and, and obviously Facebook and all, all the different things, right, that have, that have changed, right? I think about the idea of being a, a uh, influencer, right? And how many people just uh, uh, aspire to be, I want to I wanna sit in front of this camera and teach people how to put, put makeup on, I want to teach people this new book that I'm reading and all these different things. And it's not, this is not a bad thing. But what we're going to look at here is what's, what's the warning that we see from scripture here to say, I just want to be an influencer to, to be popular, to be known, right? Or can I use my influence for good? Uh, and so that we got to be careful. Think about uh, dating, online dating. How many of you, just by a raise of hands, met your significant other online in some way, shape, or form? Nobody. What? All right. Well, good. Good for you. Um, quick story. So I'm, and I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't have to mess with this. I'm glad I didn't have to do the online dating thing. That whole scene, uh, it, seems, it seems more terrifying to me than just going up to somebody and meeting them in person. Um, uh, Angela and I, though, we kind of met online. So there in college, I saw her one day up on stage. She was playing the piano at my school. And I was like, I want to I wanna get to know her. <laughs> and so we had this thing at my school. It was called CNET. Everyone called it StalkerNet. Uh, because what you could do is just, they had a picture of every student and their major and year and email. Okay, so you could go on to the stalker net and that's what I did. And I just scrolled and scrolled until I saw her. And I was like, that's her, that's her. And I emailed her and, and the rest is history, right? Um, and so that's, so we kind of started online. We kind of started online. It's kind of creepy, but it worked. All right, so uh, Angela still has the original email I sent. It is weird. It is very weird. It's like, who is this person? I'm using words that I probably had to Google what they meant before I used them. Like I was trying to sound intelligent. I didn't know what I was talking about is bad, but it worked, I guess. 
right? Things have changed. A lot of things have changed when it comes to technology and social media. So let's, let's go ahead and just jump into the scriptures. And, uh, and all of these, really, <laughs> these passages that I'm going to look at, they could, they could really all be their own message. Uh, and, but yet, I, I just want to take some time, not, not necessarily really nitpick and dig into, these, uh, into the language of some of these passages, but I think they all teach us something very significant. Uh, so let's look at 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Uh, John says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And what John is doing here, this is, this is a heart check, right? He's not saying anything produced by the world is evil or, or anything on social media is evil. He's saying, just check your heart here, right? Is it this desire? Am I, am I on this app? Am I doing this thing for the lust of, of my flesh? To say, oh, this makes me feel good. This makes me, this makes me happy in ways that maybe I don't get satisfaction from Christ and from his scriptures. Is this a, a lust of eyes that I want to look at this thing and just absorb this because I'm not, I'm not getting this in my own life or whatever the case may be, right? Am I just taking advantage of what the world has to offer in that way? And then the pride of life, right? And this is what I meant kind of maybe by, by being an influencer, right? Is this, is this bad, right? No, we're doing a Facebook Live thing. If there was a million people watching, great. There's not, there's probably five, right? And that's okay, right? But, but there's, it's nothing wrong with wanting to influence people with good, but it's when that idea of, oh, I just want clicks, I just want likes, I want people to, to, to like me and to see me and to be recognized as, as good and powerful or whatever the situation may be. We gotta be careful here. And I think John has just given us a heart check. And again, technology's good. We can use this for good. We wanna just check our heart. Is this really what, God has the, is, is the best for us. And again, when we go back and we look at these three different things, this is when, when Jesus is in, the, is in the wilderness and he's being tempted by Satan. He's right after his baptism, okay? He gets baptized. And then what happens? God the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit then descends on him like a dove. And there we have the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And God says, again, remember, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then immediately it says he was led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted by the devil. And the devil then says, if you're the son of God, right? He immediately attacks what God had just said. Did God really say? And all the three different aspects of the way that Jesus is gonna be tempted there. Look, look out at this kingdom. It could all be yours. Look at this food. It could be yours. If you just jump off this cliff, won't the angels save you, right? That's this pride of life. And all, all three of these aspects. And we, we face the exact same temptations that, the devil, that Jesus faced in the, from the devil. And every single time, Jesus goes back to the word of God. Did God say? Yes, he did. And this is where we get to look at these passages and these scriptures and say, I got to check my heart here. Am I being all consumed by this thing? The next point is, where is our source of truth? I want to go to the Gospel of John here, chapter 18, verse 28 through 40. This is Jesus right before, this is the night of his, his execution, right before his crucifixion. And he says, then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from, uh, from, to, uh, from Caiaphas uh, that's the high priest, to the palace of the Roman governor. And by now it was early in the morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, 
uh, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to meet them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? All right, uh, well, I'll just read the story. I'll let the, I'll let the Bible commentate itself here. He says, if, we were not, if, if uh, he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. And Pilate said, well, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Okay, so the, the way the Romans worked is they would take over a territory or a people group and they would say, okay, you're gonna, you're gonna submit under our leadership, but you're gonna kind of keep your own rituals and customs and those kinds of things. So they had their own court of law. And so Pilate's saying, why are you coming? In? Why are you bugging me with this? Why don't you go and take care of this yourself? And he said, but we have no right to execute anyone. All right, so under their own Roman law, they were not allowed to, to commit capital uh, punishment uh, and, the, and execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death that he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews, right? That's what he's being accused of. Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me, right? He said, did you come up with that on your own? Like, do you, do you, just, you just assume I'm the king of the Jews or did somebody say he's claiming to be the king of the Jews? And then Pilate then says, am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to protect my arrest and the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world was to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. All right, he's saying this, my kingdom's not of this world. We're actually gonna dig into this a little bit more on that aspect next week when we take a little peek at politics. He says, and then Pilate says, but then what is truth? And this is just amazing to me that he's asking the question, what is truth? When he should, he's actually asking the wrong question. But Pilate right there could have said, who is truth? And it would have been the same answer. It's me, I am truth, I made truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered them there and said, I find no basis for charge against him. All right, he's not claiming to be this physical king who's gonna overthrow Caesar to be the king of the Jews or Pilate. And what we have in this passage, right, is this idea of sola scriptura. I kind of mentioned that sola fide and all that is is from the Reformation, this idea that we are saved by faith alone. It was kind of this rediscovery in the 16, 15, 1600s of, of what the gospel is that God by grace has opened my eyes to him and it's only by faith alone. But it's also by scripture alone, that scripture is my highest authority. I believe in this gospel of God by faith alone. And how do I learn about this gospel? By the scriptures, by somebody opening the scriptures up to me, by, by teaching the scriptures. And one thing I love about this space, this building, if you're new here, that you're not gonna, other than this stained glass window that was added much later, that has uh, Jesus a couple different times in it, there originally was not any images of God in here. And that was a, that's a good thing. But when you look at this big one in the back, the thing that's highest up on the top is the scriptures. That scripture is our highest authority. And again, this is not so low, Scriptura, scripture is not my only authority, 
right? So when I talk about social media, do I flip through my Bible and look at what, where, where, where should I be on social media? No, it's okay to go and look at other places and other things, but scripture is my highest authority. And if something contradicts scripture and what God teaches, then we need to put God first. The next maybe point that I have here is over embracing social media for the gospel, right? That when it becomes our whole world, right? Uh, every free minute that we're on it, right? We just, we, we got a free second by ourselves, whether we're, we're walking or whether we're just sitting around, whether there's a, a lull in a conversation, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, I find myself that it doesn't happen a whole lot, but if I'm watching something on Hulu and there's commercials still, we don't pay for the, you know, the pro thing or whatever it is. It's ridiculous, right? So, but there's a commercial. Why? Because when there's a commercial, I can pull out my phone and I can watch other commercials while that commercial's going on, right? I'm just, it's just constant. And I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who probably does that, right? But are we just, is it just all encompassing that I can't just take a break from it? And honestly, is there an addiction to this? Man, if I didn't have my phone for a while or if I turned off this social media, would I be like, what am I going to do with my time right now? Right? I got, I got to sit here and I got to watch this ad for a Chevy truck. Like, I don't want a Chevy truck, right? Whatever it is. Are we just, we're just so overstimulated, I think, in a lot of these different aspects of this, right? That it becomes our whole world and we, we lose track of keeping the main thing the main thing. And again, that is the good news of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 23 says this. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like those under the law, though I myself not under the law, so as to win those under the law. All right, what's he saying? I'm going to I'm going to dress a certain way. I'm going to look a certain way. I'm going to talk a certain way so that I can talk with these people that wouldn't maybe ordinarily talk with me. I'm going to do that so that I can share the gospel with them. And I'm not just going to act this certain way to be friends with certain people. I'm going to, I'm going to live like this. I'm going, to, I'm going to live as if I'm under the law, even though I'm not under the law. I might have extra religion or, or things so that I can reach them, so I can bring them to the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that is freedom. Uh, to those, uh, let's see here, uh, let's see where I'm at. Uh, verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, right? So he's saying to those who are just living licentiously and doing whatever they want to do, he's saying, yes, I can go and I can enjoy life with those people, but yet I've got restraints based on what Christ has taught. So as to win those not having the law, I don't just go and, and live a certain lifestyle and look cool and hip, because that's me. And you know me, I'm, I'm hip. But do I just stay in that to just, wit, just to be friends? To No, it's so that I can teach them about Jesus. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. And I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save them. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So again, not to be mastered by anything, but can we use our social media? Can we use our time in the media to learn, to think like an adult, to interact online like an adult? Why? So that we can become all things to all people. Why? In order that we might win them. This is our goal. Right? Social media 
is not necessarily evil. Are there evil things on it? Yes, it is. But if I am mastered by it, then we need to repent. And when I think about mastery, I think about this. Does it take time away from something that is good? From something that, again, if scripture is my highest authority, is it, is it undermining or is it, is, it, is it taking media or whatever it is, is it taking place of something that scripture elevates higher than that? Does it distract me from my parenting? Am I on my phone or doing something when I could just be present with my kids and wrestling with them? Does it distract me from my work? A statistic that I found this week was that uh, on an average, you know, 40 hour a week thing that, that businesses say that employees will spend 32% of their time on social media. 32% of their time on social media. And I actually believe that. Why is it distracting me from my work to get work done? As we look again at that creation mandate, we were created for this to do good work and to not be lazy and to not slack off. Does it distract me from my education? Right as I'm reading or I'm in class or whatever, am I distracted by this thing in my pocket or in my purse? And finally, there's a warning against the echo chambers and failing to hear God. But there's a lot in scripture that deals with this idea of Jesus and the Father and the Spirit saying, I want you to listen to me. Open your heart, open your mind. But if we're just tunnel visioned in our media and whatever it is going on around us, and I'm telling you right now, this is everything. Whether it's political and there's some debate going on, and even if I don't watch the debate, everything on social media is about, well, this debate, quote unquote. All these different things, right? We just, it's just all around us. And then we fail to just sit and be still and just read the scriptures and just hear from God. And I want to look at Isaiah chapter 6, 9 through 10, a little bit of backstory. This is one of my favorite passages. The first eight verses are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. I don't have them on here. But in these verses, Isaiah has this vision of this temple and he can't see God. There's smoke that fills this temple and, and, and there's the, and the voice of God. It's shaking the whole building. And he is humbled and he says, how can I? Look at me, I'm a, I'm a sinner in the presence of a, of a holy God. And then God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cleanse you, right? And there's this angel that comes and puts a coal in his mouth and he says, I'm a people of unclean lips. I, don't, I can't even bear to be in your presence. And God cleanses him. And then he says, who will I send and who will go for me? It's this passage that if you grew up in the church, every time there was anything about missions, this was the passage that they said, right? And he says, and Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And it's this big thing, right? Here am I, send me. And we used to sing hymns and, and songs about this. Here am I, send me. Here am I, Lord, send me, right? And we would sing all these songs, but I want to I go and I want to go and I want to reach the world. But then we stop, right? Because if you... If you keep reading, this would kill global missions <laughs> because he says right here, he said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Wait, 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 you want me to do what? Yeah, I want you to go and I want you to tell them that they're not gonna listen to you at all because they don't listen to me at all. They're distracted by the love of the world. They're distracted by the things of the world and they don't wanna pursue me. They think that this thing that's in front of them 
or their neighbor's thing, whatever it may be, will satisfy them more than me. So they're going to turn their backs on me like they always have. I just need you to do it for me. They want to listen to you because they don't listen to me because they're distracted. They're in love with this world. And is that us? Is that me? Are there distractions? Are there temptations that, I, that catch my eye? That I go, man, if I just had that, I would just be happy. If I just did, had that thing, I'd be, I think I'd be satisfied. And I think this goes obviously beyond social media, but I think social media influences, whether we think it does or not, influences what we like and our desires. I like this car. I like this, this idea of, of my spouse. I like this idea of, a, of an education. I like this idea of a politician, whatever it may be. We do get distracted and then we don't, again, go back to that sola scriptura, looking at scripture as our highest authority and listen to what the Father says and teaches to us through his scriptures. So again, that gospel, that good news of God changes everything. We proclaim it, we believe it, we live it. That commitment to that creation mandate to work and part of that in that gospel that Jesus teaches to love our neighbor as ourself and then therefore that will ultimately lead to human flourishing, all human flourishing. So in gospel application, what aspect of the social world do we need to repent of? <laughs> maybe, maybe it actually is, I need to bow my head before God Almighty and pray and beg for forgiveness. And when we ask for forgiveness, he is good and just to forgive us of our sins. But what do we need to repent of when it comes to social media or those aspects of lust of our flesh and lust of eyes and the pride of life? What do we need to take a break from? We just need to just turn it off for a little while. Make sure that this thing doesn't have mastery over me. I'm gonna go ahead and pray and then we're gonna enter into a time of communion. Uh, together. And so as we sing these songs, and we're going to kind of go back to what we did before. And, and so um, during these songs, feel free to just partake of that, those elements uh, when you see fit. And if you didn't grab them, they're in the back right there on the table if you, if you need to grab some. And um, let me pray. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about communion. And then we will uh, partake of these elements as we sing together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you're good. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that everything that is said in this Isaiah passage would not be true of us. That we would actually hear, but we wouldn't just listen, but we would understand. That we would see, but we would actually perceive what it is that you want us to see, to be cognizant of what's going on around us in this world. Give us a heart that is soft and pliable and moldable so that we can be molded into that perfect image of your son, Jesus. So God, I pray now that as we partake again of these elements, as we sing these songs, that you, Lord, would receive the honor and glory and power, the glory that is due your name. And I say, Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.